Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cubicalist. Let's start the podcast by pushing a button. Wait, wait, wait. I suppose I should say, as I do at the top of just about every show, that there will be spoilers. I say this to warn of spoilers as a sort of spoiler warning, I'm uh, calling it. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million Brazilian dollars. ridiculous brazilian's not even a number and in fact the only payment i ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend perhaps you rate subscribe and comment within itunes because those are the food and fuel of the podcast beast without them they could perish okay now we're really gonna get started when i push this button like this oh fucking jesus the sign on way my day's going, that. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rough you some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the After Hours Club, which is a club themed on the movie After Hours, closed at 10 p.m. sharp. Movie the first is The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, dash, another colon? I'm not sure. Part two. Finally, we've completed this series. I gotta say... That, I, although I do like the idea uh, that I had with the Alien movie franchise of watching one movie a week, um, that was because I think I enjoyed those movies much more than I did these movies. Uh, the books compared to the movies. Uh, I don't know what I gave the books on the podcast. Looking back at my memories of them, fours or fives, I presume, whereas the movies have quite a range of what I thought of them in terms of rating. For example, this one. I'd probably go two to maybe three, with the exceptional every once in a while four moment. Uh, the four moments I found cool were ones that reminded me of the book mostly, uh, and it was the sort of a questy feel. There's there's a part in the movie where basically Katniss and crew of people, just nameless, faceless, you don't really care about people. Uh, have to travel from one part of a city to another and have to sort of do it, for the most part, underground. Um, and that was sort of a cool sort of series of events because there's so much in their way to prevent them from doing this. I won't go into details necessarily, uh, but there's one cool part with these sort of like white, no-eyed, zombie, vampire-y, I don't even, alien-y, 
genetically modified E things. That was uh, was pretty cool. There was some black ooze involved at one point. That was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so some some good action set pieces, I think, is how you could describe it. The story as a whole kind of meh. Uh, you know what I think one of my problems with this series might be? Is that it's hard to picture uh, what's Jennifer Lawrence in this role. Like, I have... <laughs> I think I have a problem taking her seriously. Uh, which is sort of strange, because I've seen her in movies... Uh, what was that? Joy? It was called Joy, I think. And yeah, there was comedic moments, but when she was serious in the movie, I could take her seriously. But her pretending to be like this sort of uber person let's say uh i don't know i just didn't find it believable okay so moving on <clears throat> spent too much time on that already but uh that is you know what let's give the series as a whole i'll probably go three just for the reason that that means i had enjoyment while watching it but i don't really have any desire to watch it again ever okay so uh moving on to a movie called entertainment this was a weird one uh it stars neil hamburger Who's someone who's popped up on things I've watched. I've heard people talk about him from time to time. His real name is Greg Turkington. Uh, He's a real person playing a not real person in a movie. Uh, Yeah, that's not even the weird part of this movie. It's just a very, very strange movie. Uh, I see him running out of time. Uh, (laughs) I always have this thing with the misses that... If I'm watching a movie and I say it's a weird movie, then she knows it's a weird movie. Because my threshold for weird is, I think, uh, a lot higher than most people. Because I'm a weirdo. Hey, look at this. Uh, So the fact that I'm sort of emphasizing the weirdness sort of took away from the movie. Um, It's very, very dark. There are laughs to be had. This actually made me seek out his uh, actual stand-up, which I found very amusing. Um, Yeah, so rating-wise, I think I'll go three to the odd four or five laughing very hard at his jokes. Okay, uh, moving on to Krampus. Oh, another weird little flick. Uh, Weird in the fact that I'm giving this movie a five out of five, which I didn't think I would. Um... It's a. It's, let me read the imda. Maybe that'll shed a little light. Uh, a boy who has a bad Christmas ends up accidentally summoning a Christmas demon to his family home. So it's laughs with sort of scares, I suppose. Um, and again, weird. Not as weird as <laughs> entertainment, but still pretty weird. Uh, we've got Adam Scott. We've got uh, uh, David Keckner. Uh, lots of recognizable, well, I guess just them, uh, sort of has a Griswold family. Uh, you know what? I've been good at pausing lately. Uh, sorry, not pausing the timer. So I'm going to pause it today because I friggin' feel like I had a bad day at work. And maybe if I focus a little on the podcast, that will clear my brain in order to go in tomorrow and not have another bad day. So there's a thought. Uh, yeah, so, uh, what was I going to say, or was saying, that it has a sort of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation feel a little bit, in that it's a sort of big family who gets together for the holidays, and then shit goes wrong. The shit in question, <laughs> though, is much, much wronger 
because it's like demons and crazy uh, toy monsters, uh, sentient gingerbread men who are trying to kill David Koechner with a nail gun. This is one of the classic things that always drives me nuts. A nail gun, uh, unless you rig it in some sort of way, you can't just point it at things and then push the button and then nails shoot out. The nail gun actually has to be physically touching something. Uh, and weight has to be applied for you to pull the trigger and a nail to shoot out. So that's a bit of a pet peeve. Uh, what's There's also evil elves, because this is sort of like the evil demon Santa, as opposed to the not evil demon Santa, I guess. So there's evil elves. Uh, one of the sort of surprising things is a lot of people die in this. Yeah, much death. Much death of adults, much death of kids. Lots of kids die in this movie, which is not something you see in a horror movie very often. Um, there is sort of a... I think I could say this without giving it away. Uh, the ending, I thought it was going one place, and I was disappointed. Uh, and then it went another place, and I was happy. And that's... Like, I was ready to give this movie a 3 out of 5... Uh, and I watched this with the missus and she could sort of tell I wasn't liking the ending and I was getting pissed off because I could tell where it was going and then at the snap of the fingers, uh, it sort of went a complete 180, 90, 360, 180, probably 180, not good at math. Uh, and then went somewhere much, uh, better, let's say, much more unusual, which this movie is. So five out of five, really, really liked it and it surprised me. Okay, uh, moving on to After Hours. This is a 1985 flick. Uh, this falls under the category of movies I heard people talk about on a podcast for more than a couple of minutes saying how much they liked, uh, which tends to be 80s flicks that I hadn't seen. Well, for example, this one, I was four years old when it came out, so probably... Not really watching too much in the way of dark comedies, I would imagine. Uh, it stars Paul Hackett. Yeah, I, I don't really recognize him, per se. There is some recognizable people in this with small roles, although there is no small roles. Let me read the IMDA, maybe that'll give you an idea. Uh, an ordinary word processor has the worst night of his life after he agrees to visit a girl in Soho. New York, whom he met that evening at a coffee shop. So it's, uh, how would you describe this, or what would you compare it to? It's sort of a, what's the worst that could happen? Bad things keep happening, repeatedly. Uh, mixed with the fact that it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and he's uh, super, super tired and a little manic. So uh, I liked it. Yeah, uh, I'd probably go 4 out of 5. I, I think it's definitely worth a watch if you are... It, it, the other sort of thing, this was made in 1985, but you could set this in today, and I don't think you'd miss anything, really. Like, it really, really holds up well. There's there's not much 80s sort of vibe to it, other than maybe the clothes and such. Okay, uh, moving on to the last movie. Uh, this one also watched with the missus. She specifically requested it. Ooh. Uh, it's called Unbroken. Uh, she told me just as we started watching it, it was directed by Angelina Jolie. 
to me, that is not a selling point, uh, so maybe I wouldn't have searched for it as hard as I did. That being said, it's a fine movie. Uh, two hours and 17 minutes long could have easily, easily, easily been less. Uh, hour and a half, I think you could have done this movie in no problem. To, like That was just a ridiculous... So many times in this movie I found myself going, why is this scene even here? Uh, that being said, it's a fine movie. Uh, I'll go three to five. Uh, after a near-fatal plane crash in World War II, uh, Olympic runner Louis blah, 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 spends a harrowing 47 days on a raft with two fellow crewmen before he's caught by the Japanese Navy and sent to a prisoner of war camp. Uh, that part, that last part, very, very reminiscent of Bridge Over the Ridger, River Kwai, which I would highly, highly recommend you watch. That movie, 5 out of 5. Um, th the reason I agreed to watch this was because of that 47 Days in a Raft. I like that sort of story, the sort of trapped story. Uh, usually ends up being very interesting. That didn't happen until like a friggin' hour in the movie. I'm like, when is this going to happen? It's just... Ugh. Uh, makes me want to take a mark off for how much time was wasted. That being said, it was a Sunday and just lazing in bed. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Indeed. Did I say three to five? I think I did. Today's television talk sponsor is the Juggies Dance Club, a.k.a. Club Jug. Thank you for that sponsorship. Uh, this television talk, we are talking of television, specifically The Man Show. Yes, uh, I should specify. Uh, I only watched the Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel years. Uh, excuse me, years. I uh, should also specify that when this was airing, which I see was 1999 to 2003 for their years, uh, I only ever watched them. I, 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 I don't you know. That's kind of funny. This show went on after with uh, Joe Rogan, Doug Stanhope, Bill Foster, Aaron Hamill. So quite a few different people. I don't even remember that being a thing. I thought the show sort of ended and that was that. But no, they tried doing it with other people and apparently it didn't work so well. Uh, which I could see just for the reason that uh, you're not going to beat the chemistry of Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel. Buds to this day, which uh, I, I, I like. It, it's like that sort of thought, thought of uh, Mill Brooks and... Um, oh, fuck. I quite often forget his name. Uh, Mel Brooks and his longtime friend, Carl Reiner. Ah, see, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, now, are the antics of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner on par with those of Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla? To be honest, sometimes. Sometimes they are. Uh, people look back at the man show and say, uh, just, just men and, and uh, half-naked women dancing and fart jokes and dick jokes. And although it does have a lot of that, uh, that's not all it was. Uh, you'd be surprised about quite a few things from the show, uh, re-watching it. Uh, one of the things you'll be surprised about is a lot of the jokes stand up. 
for intellectual premises, let's say. Uh, not sort of 100% lowbrow humor 100% of the time by any means, I would say. Um, you know, they, they verge into that territory from time to time, but it's not, I would say, the norm. And that's uh, impressive. Now, uh, that being said, there are a lot of times where you'll be surprised in the opposite sort of way uh, with the sort of misogyny, homophobia, homophobia. Wow. <laughs> like, it, it, it's homophobia, I suppose, for the sake of comedy, but when uh, you're saying something homophobic in front of an audience and the audience is basically booing gay people, uh, it's it, sometimes it has sort of a meaner feel to it, which uh, I didn't care for and didn't remember. Like I, I didn't remember. Maybe that was just a sign of the times back then that you didn't sort of notice uh, that sort of thing. Whereas you, you rewatch this now and there's definite some cringe moments. Uh, some of my favorite parts were Mancho Boy. Those are always good. Uh, basically, they got a young man, uh, presumably some sort of uh, microphone thingy in his ear so they could have him say whatever uh, a hidden camera style, I believe that would be called. Uh, of course, ending every show with girls jumping on trampolines is not a bad idea. I think more shows should do that. Uh, downtown, at, downtown, Downton Abbey, girls jumping on trampolines at the end. Pff, why not? Probably trampolines made out of whale skin or something. To keep it, uh, keep it accurate. Uh, what else could you say of Adam and Jimmy? Um, <laughs> notable segments. Oh, uh, the other sort of feature that they went back to from time to time is where they'd been a wheel specifically the wheel of destiny uh there'd be a series of good things that could happen and a series of bad things that could happen uh <laughs> quite often in fact one of them uh that uh, sort of boggled my mind a little bit was uh drink a uh, 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 uh what the hell was it like a giant stein full of sea monkeys and i gotta imagine the guy that did that because he did do it and he pounded it down uh, had a bit of a tummy ache after. Uh, what else? Hidden Pranks, Benny Hill Show. All in all, uh, rating-wise, watching it back in the day, I go five in the five. I think it's only maybe lost one mark. Four to five. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? But banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Dance Club of Shredder's Minions, Club Foot. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, today we have what I do believe is quite often called a classic. Oh. Uh, it is called Of Human Bondage. It is by W. Somerset Mahon. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say his last name, so I will spell it for you. M-A-U-G-H-A-M. Moyham? Maham? Maham. Anyways, we're not here to talk about the pronunciation of this uh, man or woman's. Oh, shit, what does the W stand for? <laughs> w, Somerset, uh, George, no, publisher. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what the W, I have the Wikipedia page over. Over? Open, rather. Okay. 
Let's click a button. This I don't often do, but I'm so curious by what... William! Yeah, why did they do that? Like, uh, what do we got? Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, um, R.L. Stein, you know, all the classics. Why did they do that back in the day? Anyways, we're, again, again, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about of human bondage, which has nothing to do with actual bondage, you 50 shades of gray freaks out there. Uh, no, uh, and I tried to, over the course of this book, decide what the bondage in question was. My my sort of deep thought, <laughs> which I'm not used to having, I will admit, was that the human bondage is the fact that the main character has a club foot. So the 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 bondage of this human is that he's stuck, bondage stuck, in a body that's is not perfect and sort of holds him back uh, especially when this book took place which is 19 early 1900s uh, so this is got a very sort of david copperfield feel to it uh, we follow uh what's his name philip philip carey uh, he's got a club foot and his uh, parents die so he goes to live with his uh, i guess aunt and uncle the uh, great aunt great uncle they were quite a bit older and that's where the book starts, and it follows all the way into his um, early adult life. Uh, I think maybe 35, so maybe around my age, actually. So that was kind of cool. Um, his sort of trials and tribulations in school, having a club foot. Uh, a club foot nowadays, I assume, is something that they could fix. Like, you don't really hear about kids with club foots anymore. But uh, apparently it was somewhat... Although not normal, uh, people sort of knew about it. Basically, what it is, is your foot is not in the shape of a foot. It's just sort of a mass of, of bone and skin. Um, so he, he would limp. He couldn't join in the games of the kids. Uh, he sort of developed a personality that was shy, uh, soft-spoken. Uh, this is also took place in England, so that sort of reservedness just magnifies. Uh, he finds, uh, a lot of the book, he finds himself not sure what he wants to do with his life. I don't know uh, what that would necessarily have to do with his early life or his club foot, but uh, he travels to Paris to become an artist. Uh, he starts off actually working as in like an accountant firm, so that's like my nightmare. Um, uh, eventually decides he wants to be a doctor, Um he has money from his parents, but that sort of runs out because he finds this woman who sort of drags him down, down, down. He's just madly in love with her. She basically almost, and definitely at some point, wants nothing to do with him, but he sort of spends his money, wastes it on her, uh, has to drop out of school, take a sort of menial job. Uh, eventually, he gets his sort of shit together, and that's what I like... Um, like the parts when he was broke, uh, still trying to get this girl, despite the fact that the girl wanted nothing to do with him and treated him like shit. Like they made me physically anxious. Like, uh, like my hands would sweat. Uh, I would get worried thinking he wouldn't get out of it. Uh, really, really, uh, you know, we'll do a double pause in this episode. Uh, this book really, really pulled me in, uh, really, 
uh, had me worried and feeling and praying and hoping that uh, things would work out for Philip, which is also interesting because he's not 100% likable. Like, he does some pretty shitty things. The uh, the most obvious of which is, uh, at one time, a girl really likes him. And then, although he doesn't treat her as bad as he is treated, he's not very nice to her. Uh, he does some shady things from time to time. Uh, it's the, the, I think that's what I like, the fact that he's much more believable because he's not 100% good or bad. But uh, deep down, he has a desire to be... Uh, a normal human living a normal life and that that desire for normalcy sometimes leads him to places of good and sometimes leads him to places of bad which is what being human is normal human good bad all together in one uh, I hadn't read a classic in a while, and I always sort of feel, feel like, every once in a while, I'll sort of feel this twinge of, oh, you're reading too much fantasy, you're reading too much, uh, my sort of lowest of the low, I feel like, is my, uh, when I read a Star Trek Deep Space Nine book, or uh, you're reading uh, just just things that are not uh, looked upon, and, and hey, look, that that sort of fits in, I, I'm, I'm wanting others to think I'm smart for reading uh, 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 classic novel. So, say this comes up on a subject, and I could say, "Oh, I've read that," and then there's a probably a feeling of superiority or a feeling of, "Ah, I'm smart. I've read this book." Uh, so every once in a while, uh, I'll have that sort of twinge that I haven't read one in a while. Uh, this one sort of came up, and the thing about classic novels is, usually they're classic for a reason. They're still around for a reason, because they're very, very good. Uh, sometimes I find them difficult to read, though. It's different language, different structure. They might be talking about things that you have no real frame of reference. This one, though, really, really, really uh, hit me well. Hit, hit, hit my sort of sweet spot. Uh, this, like uh, David Copperfield, which I've read a couple of times. Oh, look at me. See what I'm doing there? Uh, so uh, I would recommend if you're looking for a classic book to read, uh, this would be a good one. It's, it's got ups, downs, lefts, rights, human bondage of five out of five. Today's game, Gabin sponsor, is DLC, which is, of course, the Dance Lounge Club. The Dance Lounge Club. I love that place. Okay, so uh, if you're following along, uh, I've basically kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, I feel like, uh, wrapped up Fallout 4 once again. Uh, I've completed all the main story missions of Far Harbor and uh, Automata, or Automata, or however you want to pronounce it. Um, I've gotten into the story from my new playthrough to the point where I've got to start making decisions on who to choose. Uh, I was, uh, siding heavily with the, uh, underground railroad folks, which I didn't do the first time. Uh, and then I, I feel like I'm just going to leave it there for now. Um, 
something about this compared to Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas where uh, those games pulled me in so, so, so very much uh, and I couldn't put them down until I had multiple playthroughs. Whereas here, I'm not, I didn't feel that desire as much. You know, it's hard to pinpoint. It might not even be the game necessarily. I've spoken of this before that uh, a 35 year old me, a 35 year old married man. Uh, the, the the play style of me at this age and this point in my life is probably different uh, than a younger man. It makes total sort of rational sense. Uh, that being said, great time playing Far Harbor. Uh, not really a spoiler to say that you have to choose sides of factions. Uh, I chose to side with Far Harbor. I'm not going to side with the children of Adam. Fucking... If you've listened to any of my anti-theist uh, rants on this, you will know that I'm not going <laughs> to side with the religious crazies. Duh, you might even say. Um, th- one thing I, I was sort of hoping more for is was the sense that uh, at the end of completing that DLC that I really made my mark on the land which uh, I thought maybe I'd clean up all the fog and everything would get back to sort of more like the rest of the map, the the previous parts of the map. Maybe uh, I could uh, link uh, Boston with this Far Harbor uh, where they could communicate and trade with one another. That's sort of uh, building upon my work to unite people in this post-apocalyptic world, that sort of idea. But it kind of felt like, uh, you know, you helped them a bit, time to go back, good job, you're done. Uh, so rating-wise for Far Harbor, uh, I'll still go like four to five. Uh, it, was, it was definitely substantial DLC, there's no denying that. Um, it's just, you know, it was okay. Okay. All right, uh, let's move on to, speaking of DLC, Witcher 3 Blood and Wine. What? Yeah, I've just sort of dipped my toe in it uh, a fair amount, uh, up up to my ankle, you might say. Uh, this DLC is supposed to be not only the biggest in Witcher sort of franchise history, but one of the biggest DLCs just ever, period. Uh, and so far, from what I've seen, I can definitely say that is easily for me to verify. Uh, you sort of travel to a new realm, as always hap- as often happens in DLCs. Uh, it's got sort of an Italian-French vibe to it. Uh, much less run-down than the previous area. Very colorful, lush. Uh, wine country is probably the best way to describe it as blood and wine uh you're sort of meet up with old friends uh i played witcher 2 did i play witcher 1 uh, i didn't play witcher 1 or 2 to great amounts like i don't think i beat witcher 1 uh, maybe i beat witcher 2 didn't touch much in the way of uh, side missions so I, I didn't recognize these characters that sort of pop out of nowhere and say hey it's us do you remember us here, come to our area and we'll uh, give you wine and we need help killing a monster. Which is not surprising because you're a witcher. And that's what witchers do. They kill monsters. Uh, I can't really give a rating yet. Like, so far it's on track to be 5 out of 5. It's just more witchery goodness. Just in a different area. It's lovely. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie bit me. 
internet intercourse. I like turtles. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Dungeons and Flagons Club. Thank you, clubs. Okay, uh, internet intercourse item the first is the Todd Glass Show. Ah, I felt like I hadn't uh, brought it back in a while, and I haven't been as religiously uh, listening to it as I used to. Uh, sort of doing as I do for a lot of podcasts. Uh, probably the majority of the podcasts I listen to, uh, I go on a guest-by-guest, topic-by-topic basis. Uh, meaning that I'll see who the guest is, and if it's someone I'll like, I'll listen to that episode. I'll see what the topic is on a podcast. If it's something I have interest in, then I'll listen to that. It's sort of limiting. Uh, you shouldn't do that for the reason that if you want to expand what you're experiencing, uh, don't do that. <laughs> listen to things that you think you wouldn't have interested uh, interest in, or, or experience things that you have no desire to know about, because maybe knowing about them will change your mind. Uh, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> There's just not enough time in the day. Not enough time in the day. Hmm. That's the story of my life lately. <sighs> the Todd Glass Show with guest Eddie Pepitone. Eddie Pepitone I friggin' love. And I love Todd Glass, so the combination of the two was a little slice of podcasty goodness. Uh, Eddie Pepitone probably... If not the best, definitely one of the best uh, comedic yellers, uh, just period. He he can yell and get angry at a blueberry, and you will laugh. Just and and Todd Glass knows this, so over the course of the 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 show, would repeatedly say, "Okay, yell at him for this." All right, let me give you a bit. Uh, you're mad at this. <laughs> They're all sort of yelling variants of yelling at things. Uh, and I don't blame him. If I had Eddie Pepitone here at my seemingly disposal, I would have him yell at yell at my wife, for example. Uh, yeah, so if you like comedic yellers, you're going to like Eddie Pepitone, just period. Uh, I, I watched his stand-up. I don't know if I brought it back. Uh, quite often, I'll watch stand-up comedian specials or what have you, and I won't actually bring them back to the podcast because I find they're kind of hard to talk about. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that weird? Okay, let's move on to uh, Achievement Hunter, colon, Heroes and Halfwits. Now, this is interesting on a couple of fronts. Uh, Achievement Hunter, uh, I've heard of. I've uh, heard of through Funhouse. Funhouse, which I have spoken of on this podcast innumerable times. Uh, but I've never really watched any of their stuff, per se, uh, which is sort of odd, because seemingly they're right up my alley, sort of dudes around my age talking video games and being funny slash trying to be funny. Uh, the same thing that Funhouse does, basically. Uh, so I thought, why not bite the bullet and uh, experience some of their stuff? So... So as a sort of note, in the weeks to come, maybe I'll bring more stuff back from them. Uh, this one was one that caught my eye. It's called Heroes and Halfwits. Basically, the gang over there at Achievement Hunter were playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, filming it, and calling it a show, as many people seemingly do nowadays. Um, I thought maybe this would scratch my nerd poker itch. Uh, unfortunately, it did not. Uh, it didn't have much in the way of things that I have enjoyed in past watching of people play role-playing games. 
so I don't think I'll go back to it. Uh, that mixed with the fact that it's like an hour and a half long and that whole time thing I mentioned. I don't know. Uh, it, maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not for you. Uh, I'm not ruling out all things Achievement Hunter just because it's, I didn't love this. Uh, so there you go. Uh, okay, uh, GameSpot's E3 rumors. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I see I'm almost out of time. Next week will probably be better because GameSpot, or sorry, E3 will be over by that point. So rather than talk of rumors, why not just talk of what actually happened next week? Why did I write that down? I don't know. Uh, last but not least, Watch, Mo Watch Mojo. We got some top 10 lists, as they do over there at Watch Mojo. Uh, top 10 worst movies of the 80s, worst movies of the 90s. Uh, these were good, sort of nostalgic lists. Uh, they really went worst. Like, <laughs> they're so bad it's good. Uh, and I don't think they really touched on it's so bad it's good. These were just bad movies. So, uh, check those out. Why don't ya, folks? This is a pretty long episode. Why not, eh? It's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper